Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our series titled Connect Here. Now, it will not take you very long to figure out that this series is all about who we are at Nexus Church. However, I realize many of you who are listening today will not attend Nexus Church at any time. You may live in a different country, different city, different state. But I want you to hold on because I believe that this series is for anybody who calls themselves a follower of Christ. Why? Because the church is not a building. It's not a location. It's not a statement of faith or a bunch of rules that we follow. It is people. You make up God's family, the church. And over the course of these nine weeks, we're going to be covering what God's vision is for you. How do you engage in the church? What is, what is it that he wants for you most? Well, we're going to be looking at the pillars of the church, what really makes up the core of who we are as a body. What should that be? It impacts your life because it's how you engage in ministry. And then we're going to talk about the values of, of what it is that we are as a people. What do we value? How do we carry ourselves? What do we, how do we, and what do we do as a follower of Jesus? And so my hope is that you can follow along over the course of these nine weeks and, and examine yourself. Take a look. What is it that God is speaking to me? And if you're not part of a church, I encourage you to go to a church that has these same values and pillars in their church so that you can be engaged and grow and develop into who Christ has for you. If you have any questions or ways that you want to get a hold of us, you can go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the ways to connect with us there. And I hope that you enjoy today's message. Welcome, Nexus Church family, back to another message in our series, Connect Here, where we've been examining both the pillars of Nexus Church as well as kind of the fine family culture of how we act as an organization. Now, as we've made very clear at the onset, this is not a message that's just for our church. This is what I believe all of us should be striving towards as followers of Jesus Christ. And so today we begin the second half of our series, the first half investigating the pillars or the core of who we are, that being both being about the church, being about our community, being about families, and being about multiplication. Those four pillars surround truly who we are as an organization, that is Jesus, connecting people 
to Jesus. Those four pillars make up the kind of corner pieces or the goalposts of how we register, how we're connecting people to Jesus. Now today we're turning the corner and looking at what our expectations are of how we, as the people of God in our church, should act or what we should have as characteristics. And the first of our four is that of expectancy. Now, what exactly is expectancy? In short, we believe that the God of the Bible is still the God of today. And that just like in the Bible, he interceded into humanity and moved among them. We believe that he is just as alive and active today as he was 2,000 years ago. And so today we want to examine how we should expect God to move. Exactly what does that look like in practicality? And so our passage for today that we're kind of grounding this on is Hebrews 11.6, where we read, For we come to God in faith, knowing that he is real, and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. We're going to be looking at expectancy, seeking God, all of that encompassed into our message today. And my hope ultimately is that you're going to be so stinking excited to strive and seek after God today that it's going to leave your world different and the lives of those around you different as well. As I so believe that God wants to move in your life in your family, in your community, in your nation, in the world. I fully, 100% believe that. And the only thing that keeps God from moving is us. Yes, he could move no matter what. But there is something he's looking at inside the heart of his people that unlocks that door so he could enter, right? It's the whole Revelation 3.21, I believe it is, where God's standing at the door and he's knocking. And he's waiting into those who let him in, he would come and dine with them. And so let's look at this. What does this mean for you practically? Because honestly, let's, let's be real for a moment. Many people listening today, or years from now, if you're watching years coming, you either haven't experienced the move of God, or it's been a long, long time since you've last experienced the move of God. Think back in your life. When was the last time you experienced a, a drastic healing of the mind or emotions or physical healing? When was the last time you experienced a restored relationship where somebody who you once were close with now, now is apart and you get reunited again after years of being separated? When's the last time that you had a a breakthrough in your career or business or schooling? When was the last time that you experienced a spiritual breakthrough in the life of a person who you thought never would come to faith in Jesus? The reality is for most people, those are all things they can't answer. I mean, sure, we, we've seen God move in little pieces, but like truly, like, awe-inspiring moments where God was like, oh, that's, it could only have been God, right? 
those moments seem to fade in our minds as we get older. And so, here's the problem. The longer it has been since you've experienced a move of God, the harder it is to expect a move of God. Now, let's think about this. When we, when we lose hope, when we haven't experienced that move of God for a season, it leads to a, a lack of hope that God actually wants to move or that he will move. And let's be real. When we expect a move of God, if we truly expect a move of God, it requires that he will actually move. So for you, it, it, it might be that you haven't experienced a move of God. It, it's hard to expect that if we've never experienced it. it. It's difficult to trust in something that will not deliver or hasn't delivered. And so today I want to instill a spirit of expectancy into you. I want you to believe, maybe again, for the first time. I don't know. But I want you to truly believe that God is bigger than anything you will ever experience or have ever experienced. God is bigger. He's above all things. He created all things. I believe he will move. And I want to read a passage for you today where an unexpected move of God happened to someone. Now, this person was over 40 years old and had been crippled his entire life. Never in his existence did he know what it was like to be able to walk, play, run, be in a competition. It was all nothing to him. And every day, for 40 years, he was carried to the entrance of the temple where he would beg for money so he could just get enough so that he could exist for another day. With no hope of ever being able to walk, of ever having a purpose in society to make a difference, to do anything of, of any kind of level of yay for you, right? Like, there was nothing that brought him joy. He just eked out enough to make it by. Every day. Until one day, John and Peter, the apostles of Jesus, were walking by. And little did he know that he would have an encounter with men filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to read just a section of this for you today. And I encourage you to read all of the book of Acts. But in particular, this is Acts 3 and 4. And, and for time's sake, I'll just read a little piece of chapter 3, a little piece of chapter 4 for you. And kind of frame it in what we have written for us. So Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful, so that he could beg from those entering into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. 
Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. That was all he was expecting, right? Turn to us. He was so distraught, he wouldn't even look at people. I don't know what this might have looked like, but I'm guessing he had his head down and had his hand out saying, please give me money. Peter and John are like, look at us. Listen to what they said. I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him, that he was the one who used to sit at and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what happened to him. Then, of course, as was the case with Jesus, the religious elite did not like what they had seen. They saw how things were out of order and chaos was everywhere. And so they approached Peter and John, like, what's going on? In fact, they even threw him into prison and then came back and said, what are you guys doing? This is unlawful for you to do. And, and they grilled them. And Peter gets up and he proclaims this massive, massive statement And he goes down from all of the history, from prophets to even the book of Genesis. And he's just laying it out that that what they're doing isn't by any power of their own, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that had filled them just days earlier. And then thousands of people get saved. They come to faith. The religious leaders really don't know what to do. And so they threaten them and say, don't ever do this again. Not that they could do anything about it, right? They had no authority over God. And then we come down to verse 23 of chapter 4. And after they were released, right, they get thrown in prison. They warn them. They're like, oh, we can't do anything. We have to release them. They're, they're Jews, right? And they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made heaven and earth see in everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of your father, David, your servant. Why do the Gentiles rage? And why do people plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against the Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, right, they just listed to God what had happened. Now, Lord, consider their threats and grant your servants may speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Now, taking this into the context of the Bible as a whole, we must remember that since creation, since God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they blew it all up and messed it up and forsook the relationship with God for for temptation, for sin. And God promised to the serpent, "You, you will 
strike the, the heel of the woman's son, but he will crush your head as a, as a form of predestination of what was about to take place thousands of years later, right? He prophesied this over Jesus conquering him thousands of years later. God has been reaching out since that time, trying to bring people back into a relationship with him. And when he did send Jesus, the people totally missed it. They totally missed it. And as soon as Jesus showed up, he was gone. And what did he leave the promise to his disciples, his followers? Wait here. I will send a helper. I'm not going to leave you powerless to live this life on your own. I'm going to send you somebody who will give you power to both witness to both do miracles and healings. I'm going to send you someone who's going to help you to remember all that I've done so that you can continue to live this life that I lived out to this world around you so you can be that exact light to the world that I had promised to the nation of Israel that they messed up on for thousands of years. So Jesus left them with a promise. And Peter and John got up on that day and they looked into that man's eyes and they said i have something way more than food or money could ever give you i give you hope not only that you can be a part of society and be a value to others but i i give you true value give you life life in the name of jesus christ enter into this amazing life and he received it he received it and out of that came thousands thousands who believed thousands so much so that it caused so much ruckus that eventually all the believers in in jerusalem would have to scatter because of persecution even though they did nothing wrong other than proclaim the name of Jesus and heal people and give to those who were needy, they were still persecuted for being like Jesus. God moved. God performed miracles. God saved so many people. And I want to tell you today that Jesus wants to move just like he did there. Where he healed. He moved. He gave strength and boldness to stand courageously for what was right, for what was true. But today, it seems as if we don't believe that anymore. Whether it's, as I stated before, because of we just haven't seen it, and so we can't expect something we've never seen before. We don't know how to, to receive it or even look for it or how to prepare for it. What is it? Well, going back to our passage we shared earlier in Hebrews eleven six, we must first come to, know, come to God knowing that he is real. That's the first step. Before you can expect God to move, you've got to believe that he is real, that he created all things that he is above all things he is supernatural he's above the natural there is nothing in this world that he can't take care of in an instant because he is super he's above it he controls it 
He let this world go into existence, and he created order within it, but at any moment, he could come in and he could intercede within it. That's our God of the Bible. So we have to believe that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who passionately seek him. What is this reward? This reward is his life lived within us, giving us power to do exactly what he promised us we could do, to be a witness, to be a light to the world, to do a miracle, to heal, to do crazy, powerful things that are above and beyond anything anybody could ever give a a testimony of. Like, this is God and God alone. This is not my skill. This is not my ability. This is God giving me the ability. And so we need to passionately seek Him and believe He can do it. But what does it mean to passionately seek God? That's such a weird term, right? Like, like I, I can get a picture of that maybe in worship when we're singing songs and we're just getting into it, right? And, and we're, just, we're just feeling that presence of God or maybe in the prayer moment that you had at some point in your life and you're just seeking Him so much, getting rid of all the distractions around you and you just feel like God was there in your midst. Like, I get that. But passionately seeking God just isn't a time of talking to Him or reading His Word or singing to Him. It's more than that. It's a life lived out daily. Listen to what James says in 4, verses 7 and 8. James says, So humble yourselves before God. Humble. Resist the devil. Come back to that. And he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Spending time in his presence, like we already said, worshiping, praying, reading his word, coming close to God. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I just love, that's the New Living Translation. It's a different way of, of saying that end piece that I haven't heard before. But, but what James is saying is there's, there's a division within you. Part of you wants to see God move. But part of you wants to hold on to some of these things. Maybe it's social media maybe it's the news media or or some particular bent on politics or maybe maybe it's a sporting thing or gaming thing the list can go on right we all have it i have garbage in my life that divides me from my attention to god and things in this world that crave my attention God says, resist the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but the devil isn't so, like, physical that I can see him say, get out of here, Satan. Not today, right? It's, it's not like that. It's more like the things that, that scream at me that say, this is more important than God. Resist them. Resist those temptations to to go run after another night of just sitting at the bar or watching, you know, unplugging from everything and just staring at the TV screen or your computer screen or your phone screen, just zoning out. Those are the things that are screaming, saying, give me attention. God's over here saying, what about me? Passionately seek me. Not be aloof in your corner watching whatever 
or getting yourself so busy with activities, right? That's the other option of just getting so consumed with work or school or social activities or, or whatever it is that you get caught up in, right? And so caught up in them that you don't even have time to think about God, let alone spending time passionately seeking Him. There's both ads. And we're always trying to balance. And so God says, deny every passion that is contrary to God. It takes you away from God. Take yourself off the throne, your ego, your lust, your desires, your, your need for more. Do you really need a second job? Do you really need a mortgage that's that much? Do you really need that vehicle? Do you really need that extravagant trip? Could you go somewhere else? You could unplug. I'm not criticizing or pointing fingers at anybody, but this is where we're at in our culture today. The world is saying, you've got to do this, you've got to have that, you've got to go there. And it's taking everything you got to try to keep up with it. God's saying, get off the throne. Get rid of your ego. You don't have to have all of that. You really don't. Your phone can last you three or four years. You don't need the latest update every year. You don't need a brand spanking new car with a warranty. You don't. Get rid of that ego and that need for new, fresh, special. Make you look as good as the other people around you. And be obedient to God. Passionately seeking Him. Resisting those things that keep you from God getting yourself off the throne and being obedient to God. You want to see God move? You want to see miracles? You want to see lives changed? You want to see relationships restored? You want to see loved ones come to faith in Jesus Christ? I'm not saying that it's a bait and switch. You do this, God does this. But when you get real with God and you're seeking Him, all of a sudden you, you will see that What you're passionate for in Him becomes reality in what He does. They come together. A.B. Simpson put it this way. He said, all that God requires of us is an opportunity to show what He can do. Will you give Him that opportunity today? Will you give Him that opportunity? He wants to move. Are you willing to let go of a few things and let Him do what He wants to do? Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. He will reward your faith. You will see God move. You'll see Him move. So today, will you believe again? Will you believe with me? Just take one thing. Maybe it's a relationship with somebody that's been alienated for a long time friend parent child believe with me that god can do a miracle in them maybe it's a loved one or yourself who's dealing with some physical or emotional mental health believe that god can heal believe you put him on the throne you move yourself seek him and see what he will do father i pray for that person listening today who needs a mighty move of God in their life. 
God, you will, you will move. You will move. And you're just waiting for us to open up that door, give you that opportunity to show what you can do. And I pray that right now, right now in the name of Jesus, you'll do just something. Something in their heart and in their spirit, God, that will just say, I'm here. I'm knocking. I'm waiting. I'm moving. Will you allow me to move? Reveal that. Speak to that right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And if you have any comments or questions or any testimonies, please send them our way. All the information that you can find about social media or ways to get a hold of us is found at nexuschurchmn.com, nexuschurchmn.com. We'd love to connect with you there. We'll see you again next week.